Aloha Avelina Mai to the Hikina Rising Podcast, a podcast produced on the campus of Kamehameha Mobi. Alright, Aloha and welcome to episode three of the Hikina Rising Podcast. We're here with two of our fantastic staff members at KS Maui. Um, we'll let them introduce themselves and we'll go from there. So, Kumu Kapulani. Hi, aloha. I'm Kumu Kapulani Antonio. And what else do you want to know? I teach Hawaiian history for seniors. That's about it. Aloha. I'm Lokahi Antonio. I teach Hawaiian language to the freshmen and sophomores. And I'm Koholo Ricard and I'm the Algebra 1 slash Geometry teacher at the high school. And we've got some pretty interesting discussion topics today. Um, we're going to jump right in and get to it. Kumul Kapulan and Kumul Lokai have no idea what these questions are, so they're going to no, be we don't. firing at the hip here. But so excited. Yeah, we are. We're very excited. We're very excited. So let's start first with some background information um, as far as your journey from, let's say, high school, or maybe even before that, and then how you ended up at KS Maui. So why don't we start with Kumu Kapulani. Let's start with you. My journey from high school. Yeah, so you went to Sacred Hearts. My goodness, this is such a long story, yeah. but okay. I went to Sacred Hearts Academy, graduated in 1984. Took off for Indiana University for a year. I was gonna go into music. I was gonna be an opera singer. Ah. Came back for the summer, fell in love with the guy seated here next to me and my life changed and uh it was you know we we both worked in the tourist industry um and then we decided to go back to school after a little while because you know that wasn't working well it was okay but it wasn't really what we wanted to do so we ended up at uh hilo in the hawaiian studies department and that's where our Hawaiian studies journey really began. Why don't you take it from there? <laughs> oh, from there? <laughs> well, you can take it. Go back to your high school and then just I will. Your high school and jump all the way forward. Yeah. You know, when I was in high school, I went to St. Louis High. I took Hawaiian language under Mr. Lake, John Kiola Lake. And as it turns out, I did not like the class. I was just a... <laughs> the Hawaiian thing was not a part of my consciousness. Even though every day on the road, in the car with Ma, it was KCCN 1420 downtown and back home. You go grandma's house, it's always KCCN, Hawaiian music all the time. But when I went to school, it just wasn't happening for me. And I just thought about another friend of mine who would pass by and go, Aloha, pehe oi. And I thought, oh boy. Yeah, I was a poor student, really, in Hawaiian studies. And then later on, my mother would uh, say these things to me because it was around that time, too, that um, Kaho'olawe was happening. And that was always a part of my consciousness after that. And when we met, Kumu Kapulani and I, we ended up getting married in the year of the Hawaiian. And that was in 87. And we were moving toward the 1993 observance of the overthrow, 100 years. So when we moved to Hawaii, in Hawaii Island, when we moved in 1988, and He's we so went up to dates. school. He is. 
That's uncanny. You're the historian. I'm supposed to be the one with the. So we went to UH Hilo. We walked, we, you know, oh, let's go to school. They have a good Hawaiian studies department here. So we, we walked in. It just so happened there, it was in between sessions. The halls were quiet. But um, we found it interesting anyway. And then when the, when the uh, semester started, it was a spring semester, everybody came and speaking Hawaiian and the campus was alive. And it was exciting for us and that's how we got, that's how we got into it. Well, I, I want to say something else, too, because um, I think maybe this will help other young students um, who are going into college and stuff. Like I said, I was going to go down the musical path, and I really wasn't thinking about Hawaiian studies at all. And so when we went to Hilo, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So we visited the campus, and I thought, oh, well, I can look into, you know, maybe the theater program or something. And you did take a drama class there, right? I took it one at Chaminade. Well, didn't you take one at Pua Johnson? Mm, no. I don't think so. But anyway, um, we went to the Hawaiian Studies Department, and I was looking at it, and I thought, huh, he's going to go into Hawaiian Studies. Maybe I should do that too. And, you know, now that I'm older, I think about my earlier life, and I was really closer to my Hawaiian side of my family. Mm. My other side is Japanese, Portuguese. We were, you know, we were close, but my Hawaiian side, I don't know, there was just this happiness there, this feeling. And my mother graduated from Kamehameha Schools and she worked at Bishop Museum all her life. Okay. So I grew up in the museum. You really? Know? Yeah, and just waiting for her, you know, hours on end. Locked in the closet. <laughs> I would lay down in the stacks, you know, there's all the Hawaiian books over there. Not that I read any of them really, I just looked at the picture books and stuff. But I would go walk around the exhibits and it was always a part of my life, but I never thought about it, you know? So when we went to Hilo, and then Hawaiian Studies, it was like, yeah, okay, we can try this. Let's do it. So There's like a chance thing where the two kind of yeah. just seemed to... Did Lokai have any influence on that? Or did he, did he not... You just kind of saw him doing it, so you decided to yeah. maybe try it out? Yeah, he totally had an influence on it. He didn't say anything, but mm. he was going that way, and I thought, oh, I'll go there too. Sounds like, but it's sounds something we did together because yeah. I didn't know that I was going to end up doing Hawaiian studies. Hmm. When I stepped onto campus, you know, I went to go look to see what the Hawaiian studies department was all about. Knew nothing about it. And there was some interest already because the previous year was the year of the Hawaiian. And, you know, there was this resurgence in Hawaiian things. So, so by met. the time I had gotten there, hmm. the Hawaiian studies department, it was already, a, I think the Hawaiian language was a, there's a pretty notable program already over there. Mm -hmm. There was buzz around it. Who was the who were the staff members that were there at the time when you guys were there? Dila Wilson. Okay. Kawanoi Kumana. Larry didn't come yet. Honani Bernardino. Larry Kimura was not there yet. But he came, he came year right after, after we started. Very soon after. Kalena Silva. In fact, when Larry Kimura, I'll just give him a plug. Because now he's a tutor of the Alala Hawaii uh, <laughs> movement, right? When he came, uh, you want to talk about his his uh, reputation preceding him. I mean, the whole my head of the department was a buzz because Larry Kimura was coming. We didn't know who this guy was, and when he came, well, he was. I guess we were starstruck. Yeah, I still am. I just listened yeah. to him the other day on um, Kani Aina, those recordings that he made decades ago with Kupuna, who've been gone a long time. And I was just 
absolutely amazed his ability to just talk story with the kupuna, take them to places that they haven't been for a long time, and his ability, his language ability, and just, oh man. I wrote him uh, an email the, the next day. I said, ah, we, heakua koulua. You know, it's, your equal is a god. Mm. And he goes, oh, lokai. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But those are the people who started the language revitalization mm-hmm. yeah. movement. So we were fortunate enough to learn from them and then work with them. And they named our children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our, 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 our girl. Yeah, our girl. Yeah. Our wow. Very nice. So, and then your journey from the university, and then how did you end up landing at KS Maui? You first. You were first. Well, we moved <clears> to Maui Nei. You know, we we went we went to grad school back on Oahu. We went back home to Hilo. We found out that we wanted different things. That this realm of the Hawaiian studies, you know, universe was too narrow for just the Olala Hawaii. We wanted something more. You know, we can't just speak. We need to speak about things. We need to do things. And we came here for a wedding. One of our friends came and Kabulani said, I could live on Maui. And it just turns out my Ohana comes from Maui. Kabulani's Ohana comes from Maui. He said, yeah, well, let's put it in our apps. We took the chance, having no idea what we were going to do, no jobs yet. This is with one keiki. No, no keiki yet. We two had already. We had yeah. two already because both of our kids were born in Hawaii. And we just found a place to live and just, hey, let's go. And we went. And then we became pains and got ourselves working at the Kulakayapuni here on Maui. And at uh, back then was uh, Maui Community College. Hmm. And then we also taught at the UH Center. The UH Center for UH Hilo. They were having this program. And this was language or? Language. Language. Yeah. Language. And then, and then you. And then I was working down at MCC, and I got a call from Haleaka one day. I said, "Look, hi, what are you doing?" And she, she was my student there at. Uh, she was a counselor in the middle school, and then she, she called me. Look, hi, we're looking for a Hawaiian studies teacher. I said, "Oh," she said. Uh, I asked her, "When's the deadline?" She said, "Friday." <laughs> I said, oh, uh, uh, "Okay, uh, well, let me get my CV going." And then turn it in. And after that, it was just cross fingers mm-hmm. because our kids were here already. Eo was in the middle school, Brad was in elementary. Was he in already? Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And then a year later, another job opened up, and he said, I was still teaching at the college, and he said, Come up. I'm like, Uh. You realize I have Fridays off, huh? and you know I go to the mall every day. Huh? You're not having <laughs> all this fun without you, right? <laughs> but that's how I got here. A year after. Yeah. And then you started with Hawaiian language here. Hawaiian culture and culture. language was one class. One class. Okay. And then when you got here, you were teaching just Hawaiian history? No, I started oh. as the language teacher. And then in 2009... I asked Kumukuulei uh, to switch with me because oh, okay. 
you know, I taught language for many years, and I thought, oh, you know what? I should teach history. I live this stuff. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what. That's how I ended up. And then here. it's been like that for. For the last 15, 16 the, years? The last 15 years, I was teaching culture. And since the program here, uh, the language program expanded, now all incoming freshmen are required to take Hawaiian 1 and 2. We need to beef up the department. So I teach one section, or I should say one half of the uh, the freshmen, and Kumukuule does the other. So you're going on your 16th year? This is my 16th yeah. year. Yo, this is your, and I'm going, yeah, this is my 15th. You know that that's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting uh, path you guys took to get here. Um, I'm glad you think so. How do we? How do you? How do you feel about the language and the change that we made to the language at the school, the the, the language program at the school? Like, what prompted it, and why is that uh, something that's becoming a pretty hot topic for us now? Well, you know the. The whole island chain is going through the, the language revitalization. And it's been doing this for years. You, you know, you, I'm sure you recall your parents or grandparents and you yourself mispronouncing all these Hawaiian words. When I grew up, it wasn't kaneohe, it was kaneohe. Yeah. It wasn't mo'ili'ili, one of, that, one of those neighborhoods I live. It was mo'ili'ili. It wasn't... Uh, Kuhio, I went to Kuhio school. You know, so all of those what uh, non-speakers would see as nuances in the language. Well, if you walk around saying those things today, uh, what a faux pas. Hmm. You know, that kind of stuff is not acceptable. You don't say leaky leaky highway anymore. <laughs> you know? But back then, that was an accepted thing. Hmm. Or, well, no one really made a big deal about it. But, but even Kamehameha School's kids, because my mom is a graduate, mm-hmm. you know, they were not focusing on Hawaiian studies at all, no. Hawaiian language. So putting her, she tries, but even now, you know, e pulikako. <laughs> mom, pule. Yeah, that's what I said, e pulikako. <laughs> so, yeah. so let me ask you, Kapolani, just right in line with that. Kamehameha Schools has said for a while, and this is something that I think has come up in conversations where is it a school for Hawaiians or a Hawaiian school? And I think there's been a transition from when maybe your mom was in school until now. And maybe we're still trying to find that or we're making that transition, we're in the midst of it. What are your feelings on, on where we are maybe in that, in that continuum? I think we're doing a good job. Uh, there's probably things we could do, uh, you know, starting from a younger age, if we exposed our kids every day to Olalo Hawaii, uh, in a natural setting, like like an immersion setting. You go into the classroom, and then you have one hour, maybe, of olelo. By the time they're seniors, they would at least have a basic fluency of that. So there's things we could do, but I think we're headed in the right direction, and the ki- all of our students now, because it's required, nine... Did you say ten is required? or it's All like, incoming freshmen need to take one, Hawaiian two. one and oh, Hawaiian, Hawaiian two. Right. So because of that... Um, you know, it is headed in the right direction, and everybody has this sensitivity to it. And, you know, our students are pretty good, because I help with song practice, too. Mm-hmm. And I notice, wow, don't have to spend a lot of time on pronunciation and things, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. minor corrections. They and, might not know it, but their ear is pretty good. Yeah. 
But I, you know, you're attuned to this. Mm-hmm. We are, we are. Um, some people may think, oh, what are they doing, Hawaiian? There's still that attitude. Yeah, oh, it's so backwards. Learn something else. But really, when you look at Hawaii and the things that are happening here, it's exciting with the Olalo. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just saw that their Hawaiian Airlines is training their flight attendants to speak Hawaiian. And I'm sure other businesses are doing the same thing. And I think if our students take the lead in pushing those kinds of things outside in the community, mm. then language and culture and all of these things will live. Not just the language, but you know, we're trying to train our students here to be aware, be you know, have that culture as their foundation, and then go out and go push it, go live it, and if it's not happening, go make it happen, you know. So, but you know, Kapuni, Kohala asked a question on the wider scale: Is this a Kula Hawaii? Is this a Hawaiian school or a school for Hawaiians? And you know, is he didn't just address the Hawaiian language part? Mm-hmm. You know, and so. That was a question that was asked when I started 16 years ago. Is this a Hawaiian school or is this a school for Hawaiians? And, you know, it's... Sometimes we do come across that, that, uh, you know, we ask ourselves, even after all these years, because the question's here, you just ask the question. But do we do what we do in the Western sense and just put a Aloha shirt on it and call it a Hawaiian thing? Do we just translate our English things and thoughts into Hawaiian? Or do we go back to that root, that core, that Hawaiian worldview and be Hawaiians, not just say we are? You know, there are some fundamental things and fundamental ways that we as Hawaiians see our surroundings, our universe, that might be contrary to, to outside thought. And unless we point that out and make it a part of our students' consciousness, then we will just be a school that puts the Aloha shirt on and say, we Hawaiians. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And the big thing, I like to go back to this, the big thing, I just said the universe, is our aina. The thing is our land. And it's not just the land. We're talking about the land. We're talking about the trees and the plants on the land. We're talking about the birds and the animals, the fresh water in the streams flowing freely or not, that whole ecosystem. We're talking about the reefs, which are fed by that fresh water, you know, ocean temperatures, the, the health of our fish in the seas, and the kanaka. The humans are part of the aina too. So the entirety, the entirety, how we see the entirety here, this is our universe. And as far as Hawaiians are concerned, the universe is a family. And if we're not going to treat all of these different aspects accordingly, then we're not doing the proper thing. So treat them accordingly. If we dive into that a little bit, is that some of the things maybe that the school is looking to to do or to to educate our students on? Do we do we make a considered effort to to maybe teach them how to act accordingly, or is that the move that we're making? 
I think we're moving there with the Eola standards. Okay. You have Malama Aina, Aloha Aina on there. You have Ike Kupuna and that kind of stuff. But I mean, these are concepts that at least I know the Hawaiian studies teachers, mm-hmm. Hawaiian history teachers here teach. And the Eola, Eola is designed to kind of bring everybody into that mm-hmm. that that mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at it that way. I think that's the intent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so. We, Look how you and I talked about plenty times, uh, you know, more times than I can count about your your perspective on things is always how do we take our Hawaiian foundation or our cultural identity, and then how do we look into the future and how does that translate to now? Because maybe it's not necessarily the same uh, ways of doing things from before, but it, it find ways to adapt that to the modern times. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about voyaging in a canoe and we talk about voyaging in the universe mm-hmm. and and you always ask the question how come we've never seen a hawaiian in space you know who is mm-hmm. going to be the first one to do that who's going to push that boundary and you know it, my hope i guess is that whatever we're doing at this school how, however we go about it or whatever it is that we start pushing our kids to to think that big and i know we've talked about that you know, in what ways? In what ways do you think the school is doing that to to push our kids beyond the boundaries that maybe they're comfortable with, with regard to that? Well, when you say, in what ways does this, does the school push? Well, Koholo, you, me, Kapulani, we are part of the school, so we push. We do. You know, we might push more than others. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes I'm uh, disheartened that. We just look to the things of the past as being us, but it's easy because there it is. It was something that has already existed. We can look at it. We can think, well, this is how it was. We can discuss it. We can try and replicate what we thought it was. And the future is the unknown. So that one's harder, you know. Scarier. It could be scary, but you know, maybe we just don't think about it. Hmm. Maybe we just don't think about it. But that thing about the, the voyaging, you know, you look at our kupuna and they voyaged into what at that time was their space, their universe, the unknown, and they went. Willingly or not, they did. And we know because we're the events, we're here. And, well, what about us? When did, did that curiosity, that human curiosity, that Polynesian, Hawaiian, or curiosity that our ancestors did that thing disappear mm. are we content with just being here you know and, and or, or is there more those things that drove our kupuna to these shores does does that reside within us and pushes out pushes us out And now, a quick break. Aloha kako, o pikea ko inoa. O moani ko inoa. Ao ao o kalaula. Ahau oli mahina o lalo Hawaii. I kamaka hiki, umikuma valu kanaiva kumakalu, waho o kahuli ia kea puni o Hawaii ni. Ahope mai, i kamaka hiki, umikuma valu kanaiva kumono. Papa, Kelpuni Kuikava, Iko Kako, or Lalo Aloha. 
Mamulio Keia or Hololia Kiaoana, my Kolalo Hawaii, Aikapella Kania. Iava or Hopaia Nakanaka Hawaii, no Kolalo Hawaiiana. Mahopeana Maka Hikihe Kanaiva, or Aiho Ia Aku Kako, E Olalo Ika Olalo Makuahine. Nokopaipaiana Ika Olalo Hawaii, Waho Maka Ia Kamahina Olalo Hawaii, Ika Maka Hiki, Eluaka Kani Umikumakolo. No Laila, Ke Olu Olu, E Komopu Kako Apo. Manahanana Hawaii, Aola Moka Olalo Hawaii. Mahalo. Aloha, I am Piikea and I am here to talk about how Olalo Hawaii month came to be. In the days of old, Olalo Hawaii was the language of the land. In 1893, our Hawaiian kingdom was overthrown. After this, in 1896, the provisional government forbade our precious Hawaiian language. Because of this, the medium of instruction in schools was changed from the Hawaiian language to English. During this time, our people were punished for speaking Hawaiian. After 90 years, our mother tongue was allowed to be spoken again everywhere. To encourage Olalo Hawaii, in 2013, February was made the official month of Olalo Hawaii. In conclusion, let us all come together and show pride in our language. Iola mau ka Olalo Hawaii. Mahalo. This public service announcement is brought to you by KSM HOSA, Future Health Professionals. Have you ever thought of vaping this new year? Well, this one's for you. If you vape, then expect to receive some carcinogens in your body this year. Did you know that Maui has the second highest youth vaping rate in the state? To kick off 2019, we need to bring, bring these clouds down. Instead of sitting around vaping, get out there and play with the keiki. Instead of going to the park to vape, get in rink and skate. Make a New Year's resolution to quit. Call our friends at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. It is free and totally anonymous. No judgment. You will also get five intervention calls from your own personal quit coach. Do something amazing for yourself this New Year and give yourself the, the gift, gift of a happy, healthy body. Let's get back to the show. And this whole idea of us moving ahead, moving ahead. You know, I, I want to bring this up to Kapolani because this past um, season, holiday season, you know, she, she kept asking, you want to go to Honolulu? You want to go to Honolulu? And, you know, that's my, my home island. I, I love Honolulu. Despite its changes, there's, there's a lot of beauty you can still see if you know how to look at it. But she says, you want to go Honolulu? It turns out that it was the, the Queen's birthday, Kapi Olani, uh, the 31st of December, and they were holding something at the, the palace, the Iolani Palace. And when I went there, before I, and I'll turn this over to you in a, in a sec. When I went there and I looked at the palace that evening, lit up, and it was 30 years at least since I've been in there. I thought, you know, I am looking at the palace, which we seem as something from the past is ours. And yet, when it went up, it was new. It was on the cutting edge. <clears throat> and Well, that experience was beautiful. I mean, I, I don't know how much I want to talk about it. it, it I wanted to go because it was at night, and I never 
visited the palace at night. And so we walked in and they gave us, you know, the tour. It was a nice intimate group. And then each room that we went into had either singers, uh, uh, musicians. Mm -hmm. One room had opera, which was nice. (laughs) One had falsetto singing. Then we got into the queen's um, imprisonment room. And all that was in there was her quilt. And then a young man came out. I don't know how young he was, but he came out and he started chanting. And I was just crying. And it wasn't so much the chanting, but I was zeroing in on the quilt with Lili'u's stitches right in there. And it's something that I teach my class. And so it was a real moment for me. And then we continued on. But I want to kind of leave the palace because you brought up the um, Honolulu trip. And after this, one night we went to dinner. And I just was kind of moved, but it was kind of upsetting too because we were there in Kaka'ako, which is great, it's modern. And I saw a mural of a Hawaiian and it was a Hawaiian wahine with a leipo'o. And you know, you're supposed to be happy. Yeah, yay, Hawaiians on murals. And I, I was happy. Ooh, part but of the it, consciousness, yeah. the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. There we are. But it was also bittersweet because I thought, wow. Looking around in Honolulu, our hometown, I couldn't see us in the people. Mm. You know, I saw Japanese, I saw um, Chinese, I saw Filipinos, but where's the Hawaiians? And I looked up and I said, wow, is that who we are now? Are we just going to be immortalized there, you know, on the mural, on the wall? And then it made me think about us what we do here at the school and us as Hawaiians and us, what we're trying to teach our kids. And that is, here's your Hawaiian foundation. And, and I realize we all look different. So it might be harder to see ourselves now because we are all ethnically mixed. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter what you look like, but who are you on the inside? And it made me think about us at the school and something that we need to do better, I guess, is to show our students that the Lahui Hawaii, the Hawaiian people, we're still around. Mm -hmm. We still live, Mm -hmm. and we're not something just relegated to the past. We don't always just have to put on the Mm po'o and dress up and, I mean, Olal Hawaii, those kinds of things make us feel Hawaiian, but we can be modern Hawaiians, and so how are we going to do that you know what are we going to do and it might seem like a strange thing to say because we are we have all of these different backgrounds we are hawaiian you can just look at our campus all these keiki they're all emo opio hawaii mm. and we look the whole spectrum we reflect our modern society here and it might seem a strange thing to say but even though we might not see each other clearly it doesn't take long before we can feel each other. Mm-hmm. Hawaiians can feel each other. Yeah. Mm. We see each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how we see. That's how we see each other that way. Mm-mm. So it really is about teaching our students that we are Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to mm-hmm. do next? Let's mm-hmm. move forward mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. into the future. Mm-hmm. With that mm-hmm. ike. Be confident in your cultural foundation and identity first and then and then go forward with that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the king said imua. Mm-hmm. That's our motto. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we always remind them, hey, the king said imua. Yeah. 
And imua doesn't mean imua, forget who you are. Mm. That's how the Eola standards help us too, yeah? Because it says ike kupuna. Those are all the roots. You mm-hmm. look at all the roots, alohaina, mm-hmm. all that. Mm. But imua as Hawaiians. Yeah. Let me throw this thing out, this Eola thing. And I, I really wish that our kids get the concept. You know, this this just that imagery of the tree and the forest. You know, you, you get the roots from where we come and we're growing and they now are the the branches and the, the leaves and the flower and fruit. But I wish that they would look at how our society lived here and adapted to the modern world as we watch our island here, Maui, develop. Rather than just do this thoughtless development that is detrimental to the aina that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. How's about we develop, because we're still moving forward, we develop in a way that would make the people and everybody else, the people and everybody else, whether the trees and the birds and the animals and the insects and the water, happy. So that the water can flow, you know, so that we can be more athletic, get more exercise, rather than car, 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 chalk, 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 have our community close, do a lot more walking, seeing of each other. You know, for um, people who used to love to live outdoors, we spend a lot of doors, a lot of time indoors. We don't walk or play as much as we used to. And all that kind of stuff is good for the body and good for the soul. Mm-hmm. And that's who we are. We're outdoors people. So if we read, if we developed our society more aligned with our values from where from where we came, mm-hmm. and and who else knows it better than we do because we've been here so long, Maui would actually be an awesome place, awesome. That's why we need our kids in government. You know, a lot of them mm-hmm. feel like I don't want to go into politics, but. We need them doing those kinds of things. And they need to see that those things, too, are Hawaiian things. Mm -hmm. That we did this forever. Leadership. (laughs) We led Mm -hmm. when it was needed. We followed when it was needed. We all worked together. We have examples still. Those those, um, lokoi'o, fish ponds over there. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody had the idea. Someone brought it up to the chiefs. The chiefs brought all the people. Everybody put in their work. That is, those are examples of community efforts for the good of the community. And, you know, maybe the chief and the kahuna got the best fish, but everybody benefited from those public projects. Mm-hmm. No one thinks of them as public projects. Those are just fish ponds, yeah. you know. But that's, what they, that's why they're put there, for the good of everybody. And look what it did. You know, it allowed the fish to thrive. Sure, we eat them, but we're not stupid and we eat them into extinction. Mm-hmm. You know, those are places for them to flourish too, for the limu to flourish. So the whole environment, and here we are, we're inf- affecting our ecosystem in a positive way. Yeah, and that's a really good way, I think, of looking, or maybe someone who has a hard time interpreting what aola is meant for. I think that's a good... It's a good lens to look at it from. It seems to make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to shift gears maybe a little bit. Um, 
into maybe take a, an offshoot from that and then address something we we kind of emphasize leadership we were talking there and you know why is it that some of our students maybe more of our students don't go with the leadership uh, avenue or why don't they push beyond their comfort zones um, when they graduate or when they leave us you know why is it that we're afraid to maybe step out and say this is how our this is a good idea for our community and how to develop it this way. You know, is it, you know, what is it that has to be put in place maybe for our students to be more proactive with that kind of thing? You know, because we're here at the high school and we see these youth every day, we know how they are in and out and all this and that, they might seem, you know, reluctant to take that lead, but they're kids mm -hmm. they're high school students <clears throat> you know I do want to say you know, and when they leave they go to college so they're still learning but I can say with confidence I don't know how many of our alumni I've seen and they're doing awesome things awesome you know so it takes time you know if we do that foundation here if we make it a part of them then it will express itself but they need time to grow too mm -hmm. you know they're here learning they're high school students they have that social thing the peer thing i don't want to get too far ahead they don't call me nerd or whatever you know and then they go to college and then they, they they grow some more and i don't know how many times i've seen i've seen our youth now adults and i was like wow we got good looking kids man mm -hmm. good looking kids and they carry themselves well. They look handsome. Just good-looking kids. They carry themselves well. They're doing jobs. They're, they're in the community. But we don't see that. We don't. We, yeah. we don't always see that. We don't. So they are taking leadership. It's just that we we might not see it. Look, Kaunoi, uh just ran for office. Mm -hmm. Look how young he is. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the same thing that they're young when they're they're here, but we here also need to change our mindset and stop treating them like kids and one thing we can do is not call them boys and girls mm -hmm. they're in high school so we started to call them kane opio wahine opio just that's just a small little change but also we as the faculty need to find every opportunity that there is mm -hmm. for them to lead mm -hmm. and let them lead. So we can start in our classrooms, but you know, there's other extracurricular kinds of things or song practice things that we do. They know how to do it. They just need a little bit of guidance and then they can run with it. We've seen it, mm -hmm. we do it, mm -hmm. but we all have to have that mindset. And it's hard because we teach, yeah, we've been teaching for so many years and we just go do our thing. But if we want them to be leaders, we have to give them those opportunities, as small as they are here, just so they can be comfortable, you know? And but I guarantee you, Kalpulani Kaholo, if we started that now, they would surprise <clears throat> us with the things that they can do. They can do things that we wouldn't even think about. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember all those years ago, I did this poster for something. The kids looked at it, blah. Okay, <laughs> well, then you guys make posters. Sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, was a thousand percent I should just keep my hands off his stuff and let them do these things. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if, if we gave them those opportunities mm -hmm. and not tell them how to do it, mm -hmm. then we have a job. <clears throat> Here. 
do what you think. Yeah. No doubt they would surprise mm-hmm. us with, with those things. Mm-hmm. Instead of always yeah. giving them this endless rubric. Okay, follow <laughs> these rules, do it like this. Yeah. yeah. No, here, this is what... Don't give them the box. Yeah, go ahead. Go and ahead. then I guess come with the understanding that they might, they might fail mm-hmm. or they might go sideways on it a little bit. But then, yeah, you learn to yeah. pick yourself up from that. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about the alumni doing great things, that's one thing. On the last episode, we had 2009 graduates. And, you know, we had Lukia was on there, and she's doing some amazing things. Just listening, you know, as they're introducing themselves and doing those types of, of you know, work that's really beneficial, I think, to the community as a whole. And they exude that confidence. They do. They do. They do. That maybe they did not yeah. when they were when they're here. here. Yeah. I guess we don't always get to see that. And that's what I was, that's what I think I appreciate about, you know, listening to those conversations is you get to kind of see the the, the fruit of all that, that labor, maybe that, you know, you planted the seed here and it wasn't much of anything when it started. But man, to hear them talk about it now is pretty unreal. And we were talking about alumni, and we've done, this is our third episode, and the first two, we had alumni, and uh, they always talk about discipline and how much they appreciated the discipline in your class, you know, maybe not at the time, you know, but after, you know, after going through whatever path they chose, you know, they remember that, yeah, you know, that discipline, although at the time it was pretty scary maybe or whatever they they appreciated it i i just want to say <laughs> that they might always see it as discipline i always see it as trying to teach them self-discipline mm-hmm. and i know it works because all these years later i see the brother over there he got a nice haircut <laughs> he looks sharp i see the sister over there I say, oh man you know so it's not just being handsome kids and they are but they carry themselves well, they look good, and I'm sure anywhere they go, people think that. Well, these are, these are good young people. Yeah. I mean, good and industrious, right? That's what mm-hmm. we're supposed to be mm-hmm. focusing mm-hmm. on, too. And I know we're a school, and they have to learn things. We have curriculum. But I wish that we would also stress, because, uh, well, let me finish my thought. We, we would also stress... Um, that good and industrious character you know how to carry yourself well because on a day-to-day basis you know people just let things slide even the kids they try things you Mm -hmm. know but we always have to be on them for that because this is who we are as Kamehameha schools you know and we went to private schools so we know you know you hold ourselves to this standard whatever the school Mm -hmm. says it is and that's what we expect of you here and yeah hopefully when you leave us that goes with you. So, need to continue that. Unrelenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, mahalo Kumulokahi and Kumukapulani right. for joining us uh, on this episode. It was a pleasure, as it always is. Nui Mahalo Kina Rising is produced by Lisa Correa, technical producer Kaholo Ricard, Kamehameha Schools Mai, headmaster Dr. Scott Parker, assistant headmaster Kelly Duclo, high school principals J.R. Kaaba and Lance Kagasan, and vice principal Leo Delatorre.